The anonymous landlord is more than just making profit from property. It's a system of automation and a strategy which will shape the way you invest in property forever. It's a quality of life, it's a way of life. It's a business mindset. The anonymous landlord will make loads of money from property and continue to grow wealth and assets without giving up time or energy or life. Because what's the point in making a load of money from property if you've got no time or energy to enjoy it? My name's Tom Sone, and this is The Anonymous Landlord. Good morning, Anonymous Landlords. I hope you're all well. My name's Tom Sone, and thank you once again for joining me to another episode of The Anonymous Landlord. And today, we're talking about how landlords and property investors can be protected from losing money um, when the worst case scenarios happen. And I'm going to give you a few ideas of what those worst case scenarios actually are and how you can uh, calculate, prepare, protect yourself from losing money in them. And do you know what? You can do this stuff when, if you're about to buy an investment property or you can start planning for this sort of stuff with your existing rental property. It doesn't matter when you do it, as long as you know about these things and uh, and are prepared for them. And some of this stuff may have already happened to you. Some of it might not have happened yet. Um, but just remember, don't be scared of things going wrong. We're, we're investing in property, so things could go wrong. But if you're prepared and you protect yourself uh, from those worst cases, then then you can calculate for it. It's easy as that. And it's just good investment. You know the saying that you should only gamble what you're prepared to lose? Well, it's kind of the same with investing as well. It's like gambling. You're playing the odds, and you should only invest the money that you're prepared to lose, but you should calculate it and work out what you stand to lose in certain situations. And that's what good investing is. So I'm going to show you a few things now uh, that you can prepare for. Um, plus, you know, like for an example, what happens if interest rates go skyrocketing up like they did back in the 80s? What about if property prices go tumbling down? What about if your boiler blows up or your tenant doesn't pay any rent or your property is empty and no one wants to rent it from you? So let's have a look at those things. And remember that the first rule I want everybody to remember throughout all of this is that everything is a number. Everything. Keep that in mind. Because if you think about everything as a number, then you can calculate and you can forecast and you can plan. But if you think about all of these things, interest rates, evictions, rent, tenants, maintenance, repairs, refurbishments, damage, all of those things. Think about those things as worries and problems and stresses and hassles. Then it is much harder to calculate those things. And it's the same in all business, to be honest. Everything is a number. Turn everything in a number. So I'm going to talk through those things now. I'm going to start with the easier stuff like maintenance and repairs. And we will get to the juicy stuff like interest rates and evictions and property market crashes and all those things in a sec. But first of all, maintenance is inevitable. Whether it's now or later, you will have to do some sort of maintenance and some sort of repairs on your property. So let's say, for an example, 
uh, things like boiler callouts. Maybe the pilot light goes out or your heating's gone off or the hot water's not working. Or an electrician has to go out because your electricity's gone off or your lights have all gone out or something like that. Gas safety certificates. I classify that as maintenance. It's maintenance of the investment. And then there's other minor repairs and things like that. So the way I calculate those things is I allocate 8% of the monthly rent every single month to maintenance and repairs. And if you've ever watched the things that I do here, I calculate everything into pots. And every single part of my investment and everything to do with money and business and everything has a pot. So this is my maintenance pot. So I get 8% of my rent allocated into my maintenance pot every single month. And my accountant taught me that. It's a very good lesson. Pots. Um, so remember that 8%. And then if, look, it doesn't work out 100%, but it should work out generally. It's calculated across hundreds of my letting agencies' uh, managed rental properties. And generally speaking, if you allocate 8%, then you should be covered if anything comes up on the minor side. Now, I'm not accounting for big stuff, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But um, but yeah, if you don't use that pot, by the way, if you don't use that money that you've saved up, then it goes straight into your profits. Or if you're a smart investor, could go straight into or contribute towards your next investment property. Nice. Anyway, so maintenance, I thought I'd get that one out of the way early. And then there are bigger maintenance and bigger repairs. And I'm going to use the example of what happens if your boiler blows up and it needs total new replacement. It's a bit of a thing, right? <laughs> your boiler technically should last for about 20 years. Good ones will last 20. Cheap ones will last 10. But you should account, right? And here's the rule. If, let's say, your boiler is going to last for 15 years, and I'm going to get my calculator out and do this with you. If your boiler is going to last for 15 years, then you should account and forecast that once every 15 years, you have to replace the boiler. Now, that's probably going to cost you, for a half-decent boiler, about 1,500 quid. Might be a bit more, might be a bit less. 1,500 quid is a safe bet. Every 15 years... So what do you need to do? You already know the answer. All you need to do is calculate that every 15 years, you're going to spend 1,500 quid. So what is that? 1,500 quid. I know the answer to this already. But 1,500 quid divided by 15 years, it's 100 pounds a year. Not quite so scary. Divide that by 12 months. You need to save 8 pounds and 33 pence of the rent every month for your boiler. Now, if you apply that same logic to carpets, like refurbishments, to the boiler, to rewiring, to all of those things, then you know exactly what it's going to cost you every single month. And if you don't use those things, then it's profit. So that's the thing. Right. So that's general maintenance. Now, let's move on to the juicier stuff. What happens if you buy this rental property and you think it's a good one or you've got a rental property and you're going to put it on the market because the current tenant's moving out? You put it on the market and it's empty. It stays empty. So I'm going to tell you how to calculate this properly, but I want you to think of it like this. Let's say you put your property on the market for £750, but 
It's not been taken by a tenant. No tenant wants it. And it's been on the market for two months and no one's taken it. Well, you've just lost 1,500 quid, 750 pounds a month. It's been empty for two months. You've lost 1,500 pounds. Now, there's a difference between what money you lose and what money is costed to you. So yes, you are losing £750 a month because that's not coming into you. But that investment is costing you a different amount, which I'll go through now. Now, you probably think that £750 a month or whatever your property is worth, you probably think that £750 a month is a fair price and you should get £750. The rest of the market saying that it's £750. The other properties on the market are saying £750. So yours is probably worth £750. But remember this, if you're looking at the market, those properties that you're comparing yours to are on the market. They are also not let. The only comparison you should make for valuing your property is the properties that are let. Now, if you think that your property is still worth 750, but it's not been rented out for two months, then we're going to have to realise that the property is not worth in this day. Because, you know, demand goes up and down day by day. Today, your property may be not worth 750, but you've just lost 1500 quid because you've kept it on the market at 750 for two months. So let's drop the price. Let's drop it to 725, 25 quid, or even 700. And the worst case scenario is that you get a tenant that pays 50 pounds per month less than you wanted originally until you increase the rent, right? There's the key, until you increase the rent. But now, you would have lost 1,500 quid by leaving it on the market for two months. But now you're only going to lose 600 pounds in year one. 50 pounds a month times by 12 months, 600 pounds. So you're not going to lose 1,500. You're going to lose 600. Cool. But then you can increase the rent. So the worst case scenario is that you lose 50 pounds a month, but you secure the income from the rent. You get a tenant in that property. You don't have to pay council tax and utilities. You don't have to wait for, you don't have to pay out your mortgage with no money coming in. You've got that income coming in. And if you've got a property on the market that's not being rented out, drop the price. First thing you do, drop the price. You might sacrifice a little bit of income, but if you calculate it over the course of that 12 months, you'll find that it's a smarter decision. Some profit is better than no profit. I see so many properties on the market that don't get tenants because they're just 25 quid too much. And in the rental market, 25 quid is a massive difference. I don't know why. It's a massive difference. And if there's no demand for your property, it's the same rule. If you keep dropping your price, but no tenant is going for the property, then try to remember there is always a tenant for the property at the right price at the right time. And you have to also remember that it might just be this month. It might just be today. You might be advertising your property in January, for an example, and tenants are a little bit tighter in money than they will be in February. So maybe they're all waiting till February. So you just make that calculation, drop the price just a little bit because you can always increase it down the line. So remember that. Now, what we're talking about here is when the property is empty, what do you actually lose? Well, you yes, I've said that you lose the rent that you could have had, but what is it actually costing you and what do you need to account for? Well, that is only your expenditure. 
the only money that's going to go out of your rent account is the mortgage payment, your insurance, council tax, utilities. Now, council tax is a funny one because you do get certain reliefs for um, for landlords and empty properties. So find out from your council before you work this out. But I'm just generally speaking here. Um, so your actual expenditure may well be, say, £400 a month. Now, the way I calculate and protect this is I calculate that that property is going to be on the market and empty for up to three months. So three months of no rent, no tenants. Now, if you can get a tenant earlier than that, brilliant. Great. It's profit. Get that money in. If you've accounted for three months worth of nothing, then you are prepared. So let's move on to something a bit even more juicier now. Let's look at uh, evictions. So let's say you've got a rental property now and your tenant doesn't pay the rent and you've got to evict them. Now that is stressful. It's hassle. Your fears probably kick in. You worry about it. It's frustrating. No, it's not. Remember what I said at the beginning. Forget all of that. It's just a number. Just turn it into a number. It's just a process. If you're a landlord that needs to go through an eviction process, it is just a process, a step-by-step -step thing that you need to go through step-by-step. -step. Now, if you've got a, a good letting agent with you, brilliant. You don't need to get involved. Let them get on with it. They know what they're doing. They've probably done it multiple times. But if not, just follow the process. And by the way, at this point, I should probably um, give you a little bit of a hint if you want some guidance on that by me or from my lettings team, just get in contact. If you are currently having to go through an eviction, especially at the moment because the eviction rules are slightly different to what they would normally be, then get in touch and my team will help you through that eviction process. But we can't help you unless you get in touch. Anyway, yes, this is all scary. But like I said, it's just a process for you to follow step by step. But the numbers are vital here. What is the absolute worst case scenario? So your tenant doesn't pay the rent. After two months of your tenant not being able to pay rent, you can serve notice and you can start applying to the court. So let's say now you're down two months rent plus you serve notice, then you apply to the courts. So let's just say for the sake of argument, before you even get to the stage where you receive a court date, you've lost out on three months worth of rent. Then you get your court date and that is set for two months later. So by the time you get to court, you're now at five months of no rent. Pretty worrying. No, number, number. It's just a number. So now you're at five months, no rent, and you get to court. And then the judge gives the tenant two months to vacate the property. After that two months, we're now at seven months where you've had no rent from the tenant whatsoever. And then after that two months, the tenant still hasn't left and they're not paying rent. And you've got to apply back to the courts again to get an eviction order. So then you get to the court because you, you have to reapply and all the, we're already at seven months. Then you reapply, you get another court date one month later because it probably would be treated as slightly more serious and urgent now. And then the judge gives the tenant another month to actually be evicted. One month, you're being evicted, Mr. and Mrs. Tenant, that's it. Now, it's probably less than that, but worst case scenario. So now we're at eight months, eight months 
before you can get your that tenant out and start getting ready for the next tenant. Eight months of no rent coming in. But now the tenant's evicted, we're still not done. We've waited eight months, tenant's gone. Now we've got to get the property ready and back on the market. And that's probably going to take you another month. So now that's nine months before the property can even go back on the market. Nine months, no rent. That's painful. No, it's not. It's a number. It's a number. And then you've got to relet to another tenant. And remember what I said at the beginning? If you allow three months for the next tenant to come into the property and you account for that and forecast for that, then you are protecting yourself. It may well take less and probably will. But now what we're doing is total time from the start of you not receiving rent to the time when you start receiving rent again, that's been 12 months now. And that's the worst case, right? That's 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 a pretty bad situation. But if you prepare yourself for having that as a, as a risk, then you are prepared and you can protect yourself from it. Now, I will add at this point, in the, that's a worst case scenario, unless you have not got all of the compliance absolutely spot on throughout the entire tenancy, beginning, middle and end. If you haven't, and you, if you don't use a letting agent, for an example, then this is where you're going to get it wrong. The compliance is phenomenal at the moment, phenomenal, phenomenal at the moment for landlords. So if you don't use a letting agent, I would urge you to either go and get a letting agent, stop trying to do this yourself, or put the effort into really understanding all 176 pieces of legislation that you have to follow. There have been 49 changes to legislation just in the last 12 months. And this is where you will get it wrong, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord. I don't mean to bang on about that, but it is very, very important. So now remember what I was saying earlier on. If your expenditure during that 12 months is going to be, say, £400 a month, then that is what it's going to cost you. That's the money you're going to have to pay out. And that means that you're going to end up paying out £4,800 across that 12 months. Now, £4,800, right, let's say £5,000 just to round it up. That's a big number. It's a lot of money. But £5,000 is not as scary as that whole process I just talked you through. Would you agree with that, everybody, by the way? The, the actual £5,000, whilst it's a lot of money, it is nothing in comparison to that whole story I just talked you through. And I can imagine landlords right now thinking of that and thinking, oh my God, what if that happens to me? Well, turn that, forget all that. That's just a step-by-step -step process. You just tick a box, done the next bit, done the next bit, done the next bit, done the next bit. £5,000 is not scary. So remember that. What is your actual expenditure for that 12 months that it takes you to get the property out? But now I want you to remember that, yes, you've had to pay out £5,000 over that 12 months. And bear in mind, you don't need it all in one day, just monthly. You can also claim that back because it's a debt that is owed to you by that tenant. And that tenant is in contract with you. So really what you're doing is just delaying when you're going to get that money. So yes, you might have to pay out £5,000 over 12 months, which again is not so scary anymore, right? It's not as scary as when you think about that whole story. 
But actually what you're going to end up with is that £5,000 back. So remember it like that. And now you know in your mind that you just need to be prepared and keep five grand just in case. Just in case. And now you go back to the odds. What are the odds of that happening? Well, it's got to be one in 10, right? You, one in 10 um, tenants. I mean, it, 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 terrible. At worst, one in 10. So really, there's a one in 10 chance that you'll have to pay out £5,000 across 12 months during the entire life that you have as a landlord. So hopefully that makes sense. I was trying to talk you through the story and the timeline of evicting the tenant from start to finish and what the cost might, um, you what cost you might incur. Now, let's look at a big one here. And this is a scary one I hear all the time. Now, I wasn't old enough at this point, but I know about the interest rate dramatics that happened in the 1980s, where the interest rates went up to like 14, 15%. And that is really scary. But will it happen again? That's the question. Now, I say no. And this is all my opinion, right? But I think I, I like to think that I've backed this up with some guesstimating and some sort of evidence. But I say it cannot happen. I say it's impossible for interest rates to get up to that level again. And let me tell you why I think that. When this happened before, and I'll also tell you how to protect yourself from it in a second, but when this happened before in the 80s, the cost of your property was something like 20% of your average income. That means that if you, on average, earn £1,000 a month, the cost of your property was normally around £200 a month. And that was a, a combination of a ton of things, the cost of um, your mortgage or your rent or whatever, whatever, whatever. But now... The cost of your property against the average income is more like 60%. It's a ridiculous figure. So if interest rates shot up to that 15% again, it's not just about you being unable to afford that property. Nobody in the country, well, most people in the country wouldn't be able to go to shops or buy things or spend money or go places or do anything or spend any money in our economy. And that's how the economy works. People earn money and they pay tax. And then they, then people earn that money, they pay tax, and then they've got money to go and spend money in businesses so that businesses can pay tax. And then the businesses pay their employees so that the employees pay tax. And then the employees can go and spend their money in businesses. And that's the way the economy works. It's just a continuous circle, circle, circle. Now, if no one can spend any money, then the country dies overnight. And the government will not allow that to happen. Now, look, we can get into political stuff. You can like the government, you can hate the government, but I don't think anybody can realistically deny that the government could not allow the country just to die. It's impossible. There is too much in the world riding on our economy. So that's my opinion. And I think it's correct, but I'd be interested to, to find out other people's opinions. But what I'm saying is, is that the government cannot allow interest rates to rocket up. They cannot allow it because then people would not be able to put their money into the economy. So I don't think we're going to see any dramatic interest rate rises like that again. But if interest rates do go up a little bit, 
then the way that you protect yourself, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord, is by reflecting that in your mortgage payments. If the mortgage goes up by £25 a month, then your rent goes up by £25 a month when you can do it. Now, think of it like this. If your mortgage payment goes up by £25, but you can't increase your rent until 12 months down the line because you've just signed a new tenancy agreement, then you are going to, you're going to, your expenditure is going to increase by £25 a month for that 12 months. So there's going to be another £300 that you're not going to have over the course of a year until you can increase the rent. And hopefully that makes sense. And that's just to allow for that. Now, if it's £50 a month, then you just allow for that increase in cost, and, excuse me, and decrease in property. And lastly, I'm going to finish up with property prices. What happens if the property market crashes? Now, yes, this is possible. But what does it actually mean? Because if you've got a buy-to-let mortgage on a property, then you'll have a minimum of 25% equity, right? All agreed with that because you can borrow up to 75% of the value of the property. So prices would need to drop by at least 25% for you to be in negative equity. And how often does that happen? How often do property prices... If you've bought well, right, but how often do property prices drop by more than 25%? It doesn't really happen. And you have to weigh up the odds. How many times has that happened over the last 100 years? The war? So once? There you go. One in 100. I'll take that. I'll take those odds. But also, you bought this property to rent it out. You're not selling it tomorrow. So actually, it doesn't really matter if the value of the property comes down. All right, I've used an extreme of 25%. But I'm talking about, let's say the property prices drop by 5%, something like that, 10% maybe. Well, you're not selling it tomorrow. You bought it to rent out. So you're going to keep that rent coming in. So that's the idea. You're not selling it tomorrow. And over time, you like to think that the value of the property will at least stay the same and hopefully go up. Now, if you bought that property through me, then the chances are you probably bought it below market value in the first place, and you probably would have bought it in a growth area as well. So forgive the pun, but you're safe as houses. Um, but all of that aside, the reason people love investing in property is because people always need a place to live, always. And that is demand. And if you've got a product that's constantly in demand, then one way or another, you are going to be safe in some way, shape or form, unless you buy poorly. Look, I can't account for people purchasing bad investments, right? But if the property market crashes, your tenant's not going to move out. Your tenant's not sitting watching the telly in their lounge and they see on the news that the property market has crashed and they're not going to start, they're not going to move out. So you still have income. And if you carry on paying your mortgage, then you're fine. What do mortgage lenders want the most? The most. They just want their payments paid. That's the most important thing. So you carry on paying your mortgage. Your tenant's not going to move out. Yes, the property values have sunk, but that's fine. That's okay, because we know that it's going to be okay in the long run. And like I say, if you've bought through my property broker, then you would have probably got a, an off-market, below-market value property deal in the first place. So you're even more safe. But look, all of those things, maintenance, evictions, repairs, bigger repairs, property market crashes, interest rate rises, they all sound pretty scary if you talk them through as a story. But if you turn them into a number, 
£25 a month for the mortgage payment increase, interest rate rises, 8% of the rent for maintenance and management, and so on and so on and so on. If you turn it into a number, it's not so bad. And all of this is my opinion, of course. I may be wrong. I may be right. I like to think I'm right. I've seen a lot of evidence to support this is that this is the right way to do it. And obviously, there's loads more things that you can prepare for and calculate. And I, I cover those in my focus workshops and my focus webinars, but there's too much for a live video here. And by the way, I suppose if you're, I should probably add, if you're interested in those things, just comment below or send me a message or an email or whatever. Um, and I'll let you know when the next one is. But oh, by the way, hit the notification symbol below and then you'll get a notification when I go live and release more stuff like this. And then you'll be the first to see it. Anyway, I hope all that helps. And do remember, please don't be scared of this stuff. And I've just thought of a little pun. Don't be scared. Be prepared. <laughs> I love it. Um, but no, don't be scared of this stuff. Because your remember, your property is nothing more than inve an investment vehicle, which is designed to make profit without you. Turn that problem into a number because numbers aren't that scary. And I hope that helps somebody, even just one person, I hope that helps. And if it did let me know, I'd love to hear from you. And by the way, I'm just seeing here, uh, Tanya has put, I'm confused, isn't losing 5,000 pounds scary? Putting a CCJ on the tenant doesn't mean you get the money back. And if the rent guarantee insurance won't cover it. Yeah, it's a risk. And remember, we're trying to go for the, the odds. Now, what are the odds of that happening? It's a, a low odd of you never getting that money back. And also a CCJ on the tenant, it kind of can. Because if that, you know, look at the odds. If that tenant doesn't have the money today, at some point they will have the money. And if they've got a CCJ, that means if they don't pay it, they'll be in much more serious trouble. Now, you're probably referring to the worst of the worst of the worst tenants who are quite happy to give everything up and be a terrible role model for their kids. And I agree. And they're pretty bad. But if you've also, if you've got that process and you've done that process correctly and your rent guarantee and you can't get that money back from the tenant and you can't get your guarantee, your rent guarantee insurance to pay out, which again is, is pretty rare, then £5,000 is the worst case scenario. I'm not saying it's not scary. I'm just saying that it's far less scary if you know what the number is. And now you think about what are the chances of me having to do that and go through that process. They're pretty small, Tanya. I think you'd agree. But yeah, losing £5,000. No one wants to lose £5,000. But if you know you're going to lose £5,000 at some point in the next 60 years, then maybe it's less scary. I'm not saying that this is an absolute rule, by the way. You cannot get 100% protection. Impossible. But you can protect yourself as much as you can. You can change your mindset into not fearing these things, but being prepared for these things. And hopefully that helps a little bit. But also, if you've got, um, it's worth checking with your uh, rent guarantee provider what is covered and what is not covered, more importantly. That will give you a bit more of an idea of what you need to prepare for. Um, and by the way, Tanya, if you're in that situation and need some help with a uh, a tenant that's not paying rent, just let me know. I'll either connect you up with people that can help or I'll give you some advice myself. Just message me or comment and all that's free. So, totally free. I just like to help as much as I can. Okay, I'll leave it there. I hope that helped everyone. Good luck, everybody. Speak to you all soon. And remember, don't be scared. Be prepared. <laughs>
Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. But before you go to the next episode, I really want to hear from you. Just search Tom Sone on any social media or just email me tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode. And if you need any help with your own situation, just get in touch. I'll answer every email and every message I promise. Anyway, see you in the next podcast. And remember, being a landlord is hard. Being an anonymous landlord is easy. Invest, enjoy, repeat, and grow.